Hi, everybody. This is The Simpsons Show. I'm Robbie with my co-host, Matt, and we are here to talk about The Simpsons from the beginning. Matt, how are you? I'm fantastic, Robbie. I love stories within stories within stories within stories. Yeah, and that was the right level. <laughs> is it that? I you sure? I um, um, maybe one more. Uh, <laughs> we are brought to you by supports on Patreon. You can support us by going to patreon.com slash The Simpsons Show. For only $2 a month, you get access to all of our bonus material. I appreciate everyone who supports us there. This week's episode is the seemingly never-ending story, episode HABF06, originally aired March 12th, 2006. Written by Ian Maxstone Graham, directed by Raymond S. Percy, received a 5.8 rating with 9.7 million viewers. The couch gag, the couch with Marge, Maggie, Mark, Bart, and Lisa on it is delivered to the living room via a conveyor belt and stops in front of the television. Homer is added on by a mechanical arm and the couch continues onward. That's fine. It's, you know, it's all right. It's an okay couch gag. It's a little menacing. That's, that's the weird thing. (laughs) The music is very like, this is like supposed to be scary and I don't know why. Hmm. Um, this episode guest stars Maurice LaMarche as Commander McBrag, which I believe is the weird looking rich guy that like that that like uh MCs the scavenger hunt. Oh yeah. I was like, who in the world was that? Okay, that makes more sense now. I, I'm pretty sure that's who that is, because he's he's a, a character that never appeared again, I think. He's a weird looking dude. I don't know. Um that's why. Okay. That's he's a, he's from um, Rocky and Bullwinkle. That's oh, why, that, that that's why um, I'm like that guy looks so familiar, but uh, but he is a stock military kind of character, so it makes sense yeah. that he would. There was other other cartoon characters in that same in that little in that club. There's like uh, but the uh, the Monopoly man, Monopoly guy. He's there, so they're using him in the same way. So. Uh, this episode's a little hard to describe, like, to actually, like, for us to run down the the plot. Yeah, because it's, it's like, oh, the, the Simpsons are in a cave, and then they go to another frame, uh, that's the frame story for, you know, a sub-story for a sub-story for a sub-story, and they don't fall neatly along act lines like they occasionally do, that it's kind of all over the place. Yeah, they... So I guess we're just gonna have to go through it. Yeah, they jump down, they jump up and down through these different nested narratives, uh, and tell these stories. Um, and I'm kind of torn a little bit about this episode. I think ultimately I do like it. Um, but I also like, I, it kind of feels like a cop out. <laughs> Cause I mean, a lot of, a lot of the story is taken up by, you know, going back and forth between the frame narrative. So it's like, Hey, we have this a cool idea for a story. Yeah. Let's put it within, within a story, within a story, within a story. And then we'll figure out how this works. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I, I think the, the, I think this episode's funny and I think that is enough to carry it along because there is no real story. There's a bunch of stories, but they're all basically just back and forth interconnecting with all these nested narratives, which I think is like the part where I go, oh, that's interesting. And that took time and that took effort. This is not just complete nonsense. But at the same time, you're like, I mean, not a lot of these stories are just just random stuff happening. Like there's no we'll get there so the episode begins with the family visiting a cave 
And that's what I mean. Like, it's just complete nonsense. Like, okay. They're in a cave. Why are I mean, they say why they're in a cave by the end. And there's a lot of things where they say why. It's a nature walk, Robbie. How many nature walks did you go on with your family as a kid? With my family, zero. Okay. <laughs> we came to walk to the dog for an extra long time. That's it. Oh, wow. A long dog walk. Um, they go into the caves and they are looking at a massive uh, stalactite and Homer touches it with, uh, he tries to take a little piece off of it because Homer's a jerk. Um, that's another thing this episode. Homer's just a really obnoxious. I don't, I do not like Homer at all in this episode. No, it feels like they need him to be uh, just the one who pushes action forward in this. And, and they don't have enough time because of all the frame narratives uh, to give him time to, you know, have a reasons for this. He's just kind of going to be a little bit of a jerk. Yeah. So he breaks off the stalactite, uh, causes a big hole to open up in the cave, and Homer gets stuck in the hole after the family falls through. <laughs> I'm stuck, and I have to pee! No, I'm just stuck. Don't worry, Homer. We'll get that fireman who cut you out of that teacup ride. That was two firemen, a crane, and Snow White. Well, you little... (laughs) (laughs) No! Oh, no! This chamber's not on the map. We could be stuck in here forever if we don't find a way out. Well, we better start looking. Don't leave me! I hate to be alone! Except when I'm watching TV, then leave me alone. But right now, don't leave! I'll stay with you, Dad. Will you tell me a story? Sure. Once upon a time in a far-off kingdom... No unicorns! Oh, all right. Um, I'll tell you something that happened to me last week. I was walking home from school when suddenly I heard... Oh, hello, Mr. Bighorn Sheep. So, here we go. One One layer deep. One layer deep. Lisa's story about Lisa, a sheep. Lisa's story being chased by a sheep. <laughs> and that's the thing where it's like, this is the, this is like the simplest of, of story. It's not like it's complicated. The story is Lisa, there's a sheep chasing Lisa. <laughs> and uh, she finds shelter in Mr. Burns's house, uh, his mansion, where Burns is alone at the moment. Smithers is getting a, a tan, a spray tan, I guess. And... So we get a, a about a minute long sequence here where Lisa and Burns are getting chased by sheep, which I will say this as I was watching it, there was I don't know, genuine tension there because it's a kind of a simple it's I mean, it's very simple, but I I think anyone can understand what it feels like to be chased by an animal <laughs> that you don't want. That's to be. true because it's, it's one of those things when you're being chased by an animal, you don't, it's not that the, in this case, they could be severely hurt by said animal, but most of the time when you're being chased by an animal, it's like, Oh, I don't want to hurt you. So therefore I'm going to run away. Cause I'm pretty sure Burns at least has a gun somewhere in his house. It might be old and might be like a footlock pistol, but he could probably stop it. I mean, he literally, we see him with a gun later in the episode, Matt, but yeah. <laughs> who knows? Uh, but they, they, there's a, a long action sequence here where they run through the house and the sheep's chasing them. It's destroying stuff along the way. Eventually, they end up hiding in the attic. And um, 
I would I would think that Burns Attic would be much larger, but sure, uh, it looks very similar to the Simpsons Attic. <laughs> which, attics are attics in Simpsons world. <laughs> I guess. I mean, Burns's mansion is gigantic, uh, but his attic looks exactly like the Simpsons. And you're like, okay, sure, fine. So Burns tells Lisa his his story, and Lisa tells that to Homer. Maybe Mr. Smithers will help us. No, he's out getting a spray on ten. He comes back orange and stains the furniture. The man's a walking creamsicle. Hmm. You worked at Moe's? Yes. And therein lies a tale of woe and heartbreak. One I couldn't possibly recount. I understand. I'll just read a magazine. Okay, here's the story. I belong to a very exclusive club. The Excluders Club. Hmm. One day, while I was savoring the exclusivity... Wait, 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 wait. Now you're telling me Burns' story? Yeah, it's like the play within a play in Hamlet. Huh? Let's see. It's like when you watch old home movies of you watching TV. Gotcha. So we we find out that Homer has recorded himself watching television. Of course. I mean, don't you do that all the time, Robbie? No. (laughs) Never. (laughs) Literally zero times. Um, but here we have Burns's story, and Burns's story is why he was working at because Lisa finds a picture of him working at Moe's, and now he has to tell us why he was working at Moe's. Or I, the the time again, the timeline here is very loose uh, because you're never quite sh- never quite sure when you are in context of these stories, right? Uh, and so you're. They kind of just don't explicitly lay them out, which makes it easier on them. Makes it easier for the the story, the story, because then you're they can just have everything wrap up at the same time. It it's not quite, you know. There's a lot of comparisons to this the trilogy of error. The trilogy of error is quite quite crafted because it has to get all the time things all working together to at the same time. Because you're seeing the same story from three different three different perspectives, this is technically all the same story, but because they never line up, you know, they never have to line up certain events. They don't have to spend as much time on it effectively, and they never really tell us when things are happening. And we just le- basically learn at the end that oh, it's all happening basically at the same time. And you're like, oh, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, ex- except for the. the... Uh, the well, yeah, I guess because the the Mo thing happens concurrently. Like the Mo thing seems to have happened a while ago. Uh, I guess whenever Edna first became a teacher, but that would have had to have been. Well, I guess it doesn't say when Bart is uh, being sad because uh, spoiler alert for the end of this episode. Uh, it turns out Edna stayed to be a teacher, didn't run away with Mo, and Mo had a whole bunch of money uh, because his uh, she saw Bart uh, being sad about being dumb and decided to stay and teach him. So we don't know when that happened. That could have happened at any point in the past, but everything else happened fairly recently. Yeah. Um, so we get Burns' story where he is in the Excluders Club, uh, but he gets challenged by the rich Texan. And we have a little uh, a, a nuclear power versus oil uh, versus fossil fuels. And uh, they want the rich Texan, of course, wants to have a duel. Um, but he wants to use guns, but Burns offers an alternative. He offers a scavenger hunt. And so here's the second uh, kind of long montage slash action scene in this episode, Matt, where we get 
the scavenger hunt, which is it, it's pretty entertaining. It's fun. Yeah, it's just basic. It's it's them trying to find stuff, and really a lot of it is just kind of skipped. Yeah, they they just cut to like both of them grabbing you know hair from Homer or or uh, you know we see it gives us a little tour of Springfield effectively, and that's I think that's fun. Um, there is one item, however, that Burns is struggling to get. It is the final item. It is a picture of himself with a smiling child. I had but one item left on the list. A picture of myself with a smiling child. <laughs> what could be easier? It's the boogeyman's grandfather! He's gonna drink our bones! Smile! Like this! Everything yours is mine. I owe Smithers away. With nowhere else to turn, I spent the first three days with relatives. I had to get a job, and I had to start at the bottom. But to get to the bottom, I had to work my way up from Moe's. I, I, I quite enjoyed this, <laughs> this sequence. This is probably my favorite bit in this whole episode. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure birds couldn't find anywhere else to mow except as a bar back at, at birds. I mean, or I, at, uh, at bows. Reality has gone out the window. Uh, this entire episode is not not is, is zero percent realistic. But I laughed a lot at it. I, I I did find it very funny. Um, I enjoyed this these jokes with. <laughs> It's the boogeyman's grandfather, and he's going to drink our bones. And Burns, I, I spent some time with relatives, and he's at the graveyard. Like, it's this, they're really dumb jokes, but they, 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 they come very quickly. You know, it's very rapid fire, um, which it feel that it feels like, you know, what we love about The Simpsons when it's at its best, when you just lots and lots of jokes, really dense. And some of them may land, some don't, but there's just so many, and they're they're it's a, a big variety of you know you have jokes here about kids thinking Burns is a you know <laughs> some terrible monster, and then uh, he uh, some joke about you know working at Moe's, which is below the bottom, <laughs> which is fair, fair. Yeah, I mean it's uh, uh, yes accurate, um, but we're not even we're not even this is it, I don't know. The, the the um the the acts are relatively well balanced the first and second i should say the third act is short but it it, it i think because of that rapid fire with the jokes and the fact that there's so many of these nested narratives these acts do feel dense they feel like there's stuff here uh which is good you know it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel empty which some of our episodes lately my god they felt so empty like there's nothing going on um this even though effectively nothing is going on it does i think it's like an illusion it does it and it it hides it relatively well with all the 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 i guess if you want to call it a gimmick of the nest of these narratives but we we're not done yet matt with the first act there's still more there's still more um we're almost done so Burns is working at Moe's. Everyone treats him like garbage, I guess. Like, no wonder no one wants to work at Moe's. Like, God, the regulars are, the barflies are jerks. 
they really are. I mean, they're just treating him like he's nothing. And this could be because he's Burns, or it could just be because they're jerks. Yeah, I don't know if it's because it's Burns or because they're just mean. Uh, I think Carl asks Burns to write him in a play. Oh, wait, where yeah. he meets, who is it? Uh, Captain Kirk and Caesar? Right. Like I think that's what he says. Also, and then Homer wants him to do a stupid dance. Um, which got Homer so obnoxious. Why do they? I can't. Of course. Why? Um. So Burns just can't figure a way out of this because how is he going to get his his plant back? That's effectively what he wants. How is he going to do that? He is, needs a lot of money if he's going to get his wealth back. Um. Luckily, he finds a letter or or a note. Uh, from from Mo, Mo something Mo left uh, a long t- long quote unquote t- time ago. But then, for once in my life, things went my way. I steamed the letter open with Mo's cappuccino machine. If you're reading this, I am dead, and you are about to learn the story of my treasure. 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 Oh, has a cappuccino machine? That that worked on me. The the little it the did. Little, it did. No, that, that works. Momo has a cappuccino machine. This is that was also my response. <laughs> I was Homer in this case was like Mo is. I'm like Mo has a cappuccino machine. Um, but that's where we end the act with uh on the precipice of getting one layer clo- down on this on these narratives. Uh, we go to commercial eight minutes and sixteen seconds. Yes, and when we come back, we get basically what is Moe's story, uh, and it, it's pretty much the entire second act, um, so it, it's kind of on the long side, but it's it's interesting, and it kind of rewrites a little bit of the history of our favorite characters. So uh, we start with Moe telling his story. Uh, he is going out one day to just kind of, uh, I believe he is going for urinal cake mix when he meets the hot new lady in town. So to contend you with the sad story of Moe's treasure. It was the first day of summer. I was heading to the restaurant supply store to buy some urinal cake mix when I was suddenly sideswiped by love. There she was, the gorgeous new girl in town, Edna Krabappel. Oh, you poor man. She had gossamer hair, limpid eyes, and the rack of an angel. I see you're new to town. Maybe I could uh, show you around. I know a terrific tavern. Ha! My ex-husband was a drunk. I hate bars, saloons, nightclubs, and most of all, taverns. Oh, yeah, me too. Uh, that's why I'm not a tavern keeper. What do you do for a living? Me? Well, I, uh, for a living, well, there's uh, all, all kinds of things a fella can do, such as hemming and uh, hawing. And, uh, but me, I'm a highly respected um, therapist for alcoholics. <laughs> so, yes, as we can see, uh, Mo is already lying uh, immediately. Because <laughs> that's what you do when you, see, you meet a beautiful woman who who hates what you do. Yeah, you don't just say, "Oh, I guess he's not the one." You go, "No, my whole life's a lie." Which you know, it's Mo. I can see why. So, uh, Mo gets rid of all his regulars, shuts down his bar. Um, he takes Edna to the fancy dinners and and places to hang out. Um, the barflies confront Mo because they're obviously mad at him closing their favorite place to get loaded, uh, and he threatens to out the one that's gay. Which, I, oh, okay, they all run off. Does that mean they're all gay? I, I, I don't know. Oh. I don't. This eh. is very. This is very dumbbell indemnity. This is all a very yeah. much 
very mo pretending a he's a different person for a lady so yes that is what mo's doing here uh, so mo wants to run away with it he wants to completely start over somewhere else people don't know that he um don't know that he uh, used to be a a bartender uh so he goes to empty out his cash register but there's no money there but luckily for him snake turns up and at whatever point in time this is again it's before the current time but we don't know how much before um it's young edna edna is drawn slightly different um slightly younger and snake has not been a criminal yet who knows how old uh, was this a year ago was it you know we don't know yeah was it five years ago ten years ago we have no clue no idea yeah so uh, we find out that Snake was an archaeologist at this point who had just come across a huge find of gold coins and came to town to donate to a museum. So Mo robs him. <laughs> uh, he basically he basically tells him, oh, uh, you know, uh, the museum's closed, but you can stay at this hotel across the way. And while Snake is sitting on the, the balcony, because this is a, a crappy motel with a balcony uh, in his rooms. Uh, Mo sneaks in and steals the money. Uh, Snake swears that he is going to take it out on society uh, because he immediately notices the robbery. So Mo has now has this money. He has the money he needed for him and Edna to run away. Um, so what they stop by the school so Edna can you know say, hey, I'm quitting and uh, you know tell people that, oh, she's not going to be a teacher anymore. But things go wrong. I was the happiest guy in the world. But fate likes to play a little game called Up Yours, Mo. Mo, we need to talk. About what? How nothing changed when you were in there? Not exactly. You see, when I went inside... <gasps> Young man, it's summertime. What are you doing here? I've got detention all summer. Why? Because I'm a screw-up. My sister's the smart one. All I do is get in trouble. Aw, oh, sweetheart, do you want to do better? Oh, it doesn't matter. Everyone's pretty much given up on me. I bet I won't even make it through fourth grade. (laughs) You'll make it through fourth grade, because I'm going to stay here and be your teacher. Wait, wait, wait. There's one thing I don't understand here. You never had detention all summer. Oh, that load of crap? (laughs) No, I was just keeping her busy while Nelson stole microscopes. Make with the story. Well, my best recollection of Burns' paraphrasing of what he read in Moe's letter is that Krabappel told Moe... I have to stay here in Springfield because boys like Bart Simpson need me. Sweet, misunderstood boys who just need someone to recognize the basic goodness that's trapped inside them and is desperately trying to get out. There was nothing I could do. Well, except go nuts. You crazy skirt! Nobody backs out on fake good mo! I ought to die by the climate! Why are you all So, yes, at this point, Mo goes absolutely nuts uh, because Edna decides to not run away with him. Uh, not sure why, because he could have just been like, oh, okay, I guess we'll stay here, and he could keep the con up, but I guess he was tired of trying to con the whole town. I mean, one, I found Mo going crazy a little funny. Like, it's not bad. And two, I mean, here, Mo is lying about his life. Of course. But he he is, you know, ready to go, and Edna is the one at the last seconds, like, nah, there's one kid here I want to help. 
Um, so I'm gonna have to back out of this. Uh, genuine, it is a thing that would be, you know, upsetting. You know, Mo, and Mo, I don't, I, you know, Mo's reaction isn't isn't out isn't out of left field. You know, not for Mo. No, it, no. it's kind of Mo's personality. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It would have happened eventually. It's just uh, bad luck for Mo that it happened now. Yeah. Uh, so yes, uh, Mo goes at this point goes back to his bar and proceeds to put all of the gold coins in the jukebox uh, because I guess they weigh the perfect amount that they trigger it. Um, so uh, Burns um, gets everything back. He oh, Jimmy's opened the jukebox, uh, gets all the coins. This out, is this is back, this Texan. is up a level of the narrative. We backed out backed out of the Mo narrative into the Burns narrative. Right. So we're back in the Burns narrative. He oh, he busts open the jukebox, takes all the gold coins, goes to the rich Texan and says, all right, here, this this should cover everything. Give me back all my stuff. Uh, the rich Texan says, yes, you can have everything back except for the nuclear plant uh, and demands that Burns get a photo with a smiling child in order to get the nuclear plant back. Uh, and then uh, there's a whole bit where. They ask uh, this rich Texan, oh, why are you like this? And he says, oh, it's because I have OCD, which, no, no, it's not. <laughs> you had, yeah, yeah, you were doing okay this episode, and then you have to make fun of people with OCD. Congratulations. That's, that's great. And thankfully, this is where we go to a commercial, so I don't have to do with the callbacks to the OCD for the rest of the episode. <sighs> uh, yeah, it's, I... This is like there's a lot of that's the thing Matt, where there's a lot of really good jokes. There's there's solid jokes in this episode, um, largely probably because they didn't have to really craft them around a story. They crafted the story, the weird different narratives around the jokes they had, maybe. But this is just the hackiest of jokes about OCD where we have the rich Texan just firing guns and counting and then taking steps and count. And you're like. What what is this? Like, what are you doing? What like this is what we're gonna do? It's just the laziest of like okay. It's just like oh yeah, I need to wash my hands a lot. I'm like okay, that's not okay. It doesn't ruin the episode or anything, but it is immediately. You're like, Ugh, come on, it's season seventeen. Why are you intruding? Go away. This episode was okay before, and now you're yeah. trying to make it season 17 <laughs> Yeah, what are you doing? Uh, we come back from rehearsal at 15 minutes and 35 seconds, and we're in... This is where we are now with back out of the Burns narrative. We are back in Lisa's narrative, because they are trapped in the attic. Um, and Matt and I have not been mentioning all the times we've been jumping back to the top level of them in the cave... Because the, we yeah, cause they go back and forth, they go back into there frequently for them to make comments on stuff. Yeah, like the Marge or Bart, we, we you've heard it in a couple of our clips, but they are constantly jumping back to the very top. So Burns is still upset with Lisa. He doesn't have a nuclear plant, so that and this is where you're like, oh, Bur- this is taking place effectively in the present. You know, because Lisa says, oh, this is last week. You know, she tells her over at the beginning, this is my story from last week. And so Burns, up until last week, didn't have the plant. And you're well, like... Yeah, I guess in this in this particular case that, oh, this has happened after Mr. Burns has lost the plant. 
Yeah, you're like you're trying to make sense of all this stuff in your head. You're like, what is this happening? And I don't think they really want you to think about it too hard. Um, but this is when the sheep, the ram, gets up into the attic and attacks them some more, burns in what is actually a, a genuinely, you know, um, I don't know, brave moment for him. He he offers, he tries to defend Lisa, and the uh, ram attacks him knocks him into the wall uh, but then we find that the ram was really just trying to return lisa's necklace uh it's caught on the ram's horn and because the ram this entire time was trying to be nice to them and return lisa's uh, necklace <laughs> so it, it throws the necklace at lisa and then leaves despite the fact that it wrecked burns <laughs> yeah i don't know how i feel about all this like it's funny that we get we do get like a very small nest a small narrative with the ram where it, it tells its story or it literally is just it found a necklace and then chased down lisa <laughs> and it's very short and i think that you know that's the bit but i it's really this this is this is not what what sheep is this it is like it recognizes someone's necklace how does it know it's lisa's necklace well we get that in another frame story where the the ram tells its story to lisa about how it found it I know, but how does it know that he just finds a necklace? How does it know it's Lisa's necklace? Does it know Lisa? Oh, I thought I, I thought I remember Lisa being close enough that it was like, oh, I, that little girl was just here and lost her necklace. Oh, like it saw I, her lose it. Maybe you're right, Matt. I'm. <laughs> I think I was just <laughs> overwhelmed by this ram. Um, uh, but we get uh, Burns. Uh, <laughs> I, a clip I probably should have pulled because it, it made me. I think it's probably actually the best crafted joke in this episode where he says, "Oh, I sacrifice my body uh, for nothing." I guess maybe this is what giving birth feels like. <laughs> and oh I, God! I, 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 it's I, it's so funny that you know, <laughs> birds trying to like trying to demonstrate you know emotion. He doesn't know how, but Lisa uh, to pay him back. She takes a picture with him, a smiling picture, so that he can get his plant back. And then we effectively are done with the nested narratives at this point. You know, this is basically the last scene, uh, effectively, because Lisa's story is over. Uh, Homer is crying, and it is revealed he's not crying because of Lisa's heartfelt story about Burns, but because bats are eating him. <laughs> I actually do like. <laughs> it's so stupid. Mm -hmm. Very much so. <laughs> bats eating Homer. Um, but you know, if bats were chewing on my legs, I would cry too. Uh-huh. Never been bitten by a bat though. Matt Matt and I are gonna see a lot of bats next week. We are. We're going to kayak up to bats and then allow them to eat us because we're tired of living. They're not gonna they're not gonna eat us, Matt. They're gonna uh -huh. eat, they're gonna go fly away, eat bugs somewhere. Uh-huh. Te eat Texan bugs. So Homer at this point is terrified, getting eaten by bats. He wiggles out of the hole he's stuck in, uh, and falls out. And it's here now this is where everything comes together because Homer reveals he led them here on purpose because he was, this is where we, now we jump back into a different narrative, but it's just a single narrative. There's no, there's only one layer uh, where Homer is hiding from having to take care of Maggie. And he says it was my day to take care of the baby, Matt. 
I, I think by that, what he's trying to say is that, oh, uh, Marge had wanted to go do something and I was supposed to look after Maggie. So I left. So I didn't have to do that. It's just phrase weird. And I was just like, what do you mean your day? It's your baby, right. Homer. It's every day is your every day is your day. <laughs> every day is your day to take care of the baby. But he's hiding from it in the woods. This is where he sees the rich Texan who has the coins hide them in this cave, which is why he brought them here in the first place to try and find the coins. And at this point, everybody shows up and we get a big ending. If you all don't drop your guns and behave, no one gets the gold. And why do you really want it anyway? No. Will the gold bring back Edna's love? It could, definitely. Mr. Burns, isn't it more important that you got a child to smile at you? Honestly, no, I'd rather have the gold. Oh, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I can see there's only one way to turn you into human beings again. <laughs> oh, lady, I ought to fill you full of... Gratitude! <laughs> that gold was turning us into monsters! Well, I know a place where we can atone for our misdeeds. They're building a youth center in Shelbyville and totally need volunteers. Let's go there now! Yes, let's. I'll, uh, I'll catch up with you. <laughs> and that's why I didn't have time to study for my geography test. Bart, do you expect me to believe that? That story is the biggest load of crabapple making out with Mo. But I thought you didn't want to date a tavern owner. At this point, all I want is a man with a healthy libido. Uh-huh. Well, this is where it gets awkward again. Yeehaw! Mo can't catch a break. One, two, three, four. Can't catch a break. One, two, three, four. Can't catch a break. One, two, three, four. And there's some producers. One, two, three, four. Four producers. Yep. That's the yep. the OCD jokes there. That's what that's a flavor yeah. they give you guys the that's how they end the episode with them actually, which is real bad. Um <laughs> it's it's real unfortunate. Because the ending isn't, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know, it feels, again, I think this is mostly where you get this feeling of a cop-out, where you're like, oh, so it's all just Bart telling a story to Skinner. Right. And it's all this made. This whole thing has been another frame story. Yeah. And that's okay, but then you end with that hacky OCG joke again, you're like, okay, all right. Um there the 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 standoff between everyone in the cave is fun um and i really enjoy it when marge is like you don't need this money everyone's like actually yeah it would be it turns out very helpful yeah. i don't know if you know this about money marge but it uh it does some great stuff so. it fixes a lot of problems if you have money yeah. you can definitely like mo's right like yeah it would absolutely help with edna if he just had some money it probably would help. Maybe don't throw that money in a ravine. <laughs> like, that's the one situation I'm like, Marge, no, don't do that. <laughs> like, why are you dumping, don't dump those gold coins into a hole? What's wrong with you? At the very least, think of their historical significance. I guess it, I mean, there were uh, people with weapons, you know, there were gun, people with guns. You might want to, if you get rid of the reason that they wanted to kill each other, you could at least get away, which it makes a certain kind of sense. Yeah. But that's the episode. Um, I think I laughed at it a lot. The story, I, I'm not going to give it, like, it's no trilogy of error. 
it's not like no. this, it's not like some clockwork thing where they you know have to make sure all the pieces connect. This is just kind of a bunch of random, like it. It's not that different from a lot of season seventeen, where there's a bunch of random stuff happening. <laughs> yeah, but they have reasons why there's random stuff happening, and they made it manage to make it all work relatively well at the end. Um, so it it's not as bad. They, I think that's like all I'm asking for is like, hey, try and hide it a little that nothing's happening which is what they do you can't ask for it too much i i you know this is we're grading on the season 17 curve here matt that's true if this were in the golden years it would be more along the lines of yeah they could have done this better that's better but honestly for season 17 this is not that bad i mean obviously we don't like the ocd stuff uh but the characters mostly act like themselves mr burns is mo is a jerk mr burns is greedy the family is, is most of themselves homer is a bit of a jerk in this but he just kind of has to push the plot along and he's there for jokes and but honestly there are several points in here where i smiled and laughed and giggled and tittered and all the things that i don't do in season 17 episodes yeah and i nice yes the jokes again i i've said this before the jokes massage a lot of problems away if you are laughing in an episode the story can falter at times and there can be plot holes, but and you don't care as much because it's funny, um, which is what I think this episode effectively does. Um, we'll rank it at the end of the show. Amen. Oh, hey, Robbie, is this episode broken? No, no, absolutely not. I don't I don't think it's broken yeah, at all. Yeah. No, it's in it's in good shape. Um, I, I, if you tried to do this with every episode, I would start calling him out on it. You know, like, hey, you can't just do this all the time, but. When you have an episode that's effectively about a giant game of telephone, you know, it's okay to be a little loose. Yeah. I've got cat drama. What? Well, why? There's a dozen rooms in this house. Go to any of them. Dear God. Uh, we can move on to our next segment. It's time for comments from the news group. Okay, here we are. Alt.nerd.obsessive. Uh, comments from the news group is where I ask our our patrons our supporters on patreon uh, patreon.com slash the simpson show for their reviews what they think about this episode and i read them on the air uh, first up from tim i give this episode props for at least trying to be high concept but unlike the granddaddy of this category trilogy of error didn't do a good job of following through i was repeatedly frustrated i want to know more about the rich texan slash mr burns battle over energy sources but we swerved to the mo cravapo relationship which i just didn't find very believable project ranking 249 I don't know. I don't don't really have a spot in mind for this one yet. Uh, From Derek. I enjoyed this episode the first time around, and then the last time I watched it, it left me very underwhelmed. It really doesn't hold up to repeat repeat viewings. I think it wants to be Season 17's answer to Trilogy of Error. That ain't working out for you, matey boy. To be fair, it did seem like an earnest to do something interesting, but I can't muster, muster up anything more than a meh. Uh, from old Panty Can, Joey, Jojo, Jr., Shabbity, Snrub. Uh, this one gets credit for creativity. The nesting doll structure and ability to weave different plots to tangents together demonstrates some lingering ambition in Season 17, which I always appreciate in the show's later outings. When you get down to it, the episodes can see it's more of a trick than genuine narrative complexity, but it's a fun, enjoyable trick. The plots and gags may not be perfect, Fine on the rich checks and OCD gags in particular. There's enough big swings and solid jokes here to make this Karamazov like yarn a post golden year standout in my book. Yeah, trick. I think that's a good way to say it. Mm-hmm. Um, from JJ. 
I'm surprised by how much I enjoyed the gimmick of this episode. I thought it was creative, charming, and interesting. They actually remember to add jokes, too. Even though the episode heavily featured Mo, they avoided suicide jokes. My favorite gags were Mo pretending his bat was a gun. His line, love, had handed me an awful dilemma. Should I rob this guy or rob him and kill him? And Barney somehow getting back into the bar, which uh, here, a brief side tangent. This is where the, the Barney reappearing behind Mo meme begins. This is the source. Um, back to JJ, there was the occasional groan-worthy joke, such as the rich Texans OCD and some shaky plot points. But overall, this is leaps and bounds ahead of everything else so far this season. Uh, from Anthony, I've always enjoyed this episode as it's one of the funnier season 17 episodes, especially with Homer getting stuck upside down in the cave, which has always made me laugh. I've always found it weird that of all characters that could have been an archaeologist, it is Snake. Now, that's a complete curveball that I didn't, and I bet others, just didn't see coming. Some of my favorite jokes had to be the scene where the character is all in a Mexican standoff and Mo doesn't have a gun. He's as bad as a gun and makes a gun cocking sound. Another favorite of mine is how Barney's able to get back into the bar. The only problem I have with the episode is after Marge throws the coins further down in the cavern, everyone walks out except for Burns, who's climbing down, says he will catch up. We never know if he's ever to get, be able to get the coins or not. He gets those coins. Oh, for sure. It's Mr. Burns. He'll do anything to get those. Yeah. Come on. Uh, next up from Mark. I'm looking forward to hearing your, your view of this episode because it's one that I really enjoy. I love the whole idea of the episode. How it gives more characters a chance to shine. I was convinced I might be the only person who looks back on this episode fondly, but after reading the other comments, I'm glad to see that I'm not. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to hearing it. Taking the next episode of the podcast should be an interesting episode to break down. We like it. Mm-hmm. We like it. Which is, I'll take it. Please, God. Oh, my God. i liking an episode. Um, right. From Benjamin. I'm pleasantly surprised they could pull an episode like this off in a season that has been so rough up to now. It kept the stories pretty simple, and I filled it with jokes that were quick. It's not world-changing, but it made it for an enjoyable 22 minutes. I even laughed at the sheep's brief story to Lisa, especially like that it was focused on minor characters. After just about losing hope the last few weeks, this one is a welcome change. Amen. And finally, from Aaron, despite a weak ending, I enjoyed it. As others have pointed out, the obvious comparison is Trilogy of Errors. Well, that was a great episode that looks legendary within season 12. This one's a fair episode looks great within season 17. The twists were well thought out and the joke's solid. My favorite was probably Burns staying with family. Um, I just wish they had just left it at Bart making up the whole story. Yeah, I think they the, the ending where it's, oh, Mo is actually with Krabappel. You're like, hmm, did Bart, this, this isn't all made up? This is all true? That's the, you know. I think. guess we'll find out. No, we won't, Matt. No, we won't. We won't find out. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you guys uh, thank thank all of those lovely, lovely people uh, for submitting your reviews. If you want to join the cavalcade of calamity, the, the 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 catalog of horror of season seventeen Simpsons reviews, you can <laughs> join our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash the Simpsons Show, and submit your reviews every week on Monday morning. I will I post a call for thoughts uh we can move on to our next segment it's time for the listener question of the week let's try one more number <gasps> yellow kbbl is gonna give me something stupid well hot dog we have a wiener yellow our listener question of the week this week is what is your favorite musical appreciate everyone who took the time to answer matt take it away Alrighty, uh, we're going to start with Alex. Uh, question of the week, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Gene Wilder was great as Wonka, and generally all the songs memorable. Very true. I don't really... Um, I, Rocky... I, is it saying something I don't really think of? I, I'm like, I agree. Willy Wonka is a great musical. I don't really think of it as a musical. Uh, I don't either, but like as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh yeah, that's right. There are some really great songs in there. <laughs> Including one of the very... Willy Wonka is like... 
like one of two movies that features an actual animal dying on screen. Animal dying. Yeah, during the during the scary boat ride, there's a brief shot of a chicken dying, and it's actually oh. that's actually a chicken getting killed, and like, Ugh. I mean, that's I'm exactly exactly Matt. It, like, there's like only I've a never c- noticed that. Now I'll never watch it again. Well, come on, Matt. Have you not? You've eaten, you eat chicken. I mean, that's true. What but... do you think happens? You know, they don't. Those chickens don't just die natural deaths. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, you're not wrong. Sorry, continue, please. Okay. So, uh, from Elliot, uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Absolutely. From Andy Hamilton. From Benjamin, Oklahoma. Um, uh, from Brian. It all depends on my mood, but I dodge between three. Uh, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. In the Heights and Little Shop of Horrors. If we're going by what I'm feeling right at this moment, I'll say Hedwig and the Angry Inch. A musical about a transgender rock star from East Berlin telling her life story between some stellar rock songs. I saw No Patrick Harris as Hedwig on Broadway, and it is the best performance I've ever seen on stage. I have never actually seen uh, Hedwig and the Angry Age. I really need to. Mm, or I not, mean, you know. <laughs> I mean, I it's good, Matt. I don't know if you'll like Hedwig. You probably. Okay. I mean, you'll like it. I don't think you'll love it, but That's maybe fair. maybe That's I'm fair. wrong about you. But I don't. I don't know. Let's see what happens when I tell you my favorite musical. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, let's see. From Rich, uh, I can't pick a firm favorite, so I will take this opportunity to plug the underrated Groundhog Day musical by Tim Minchin, which had a very short run, but maybe the best movie to stage ad- adaptation there is. Uh, from Derek, I always thought I hated musicals until I watched Tim Burton's Sweeney Todd for the first time a few years ago, and now it's one of my favorite films. It's so macabre, and the music really is fantastic. Come to think of it, I also love Burton's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which is musical elements. Don't judge me too hard for these opinions. In last week's episode of the podcast, I think Robbie said Mars Attacks was Burton's last good film, so I'm being controversial. Uh, <laughs> Thank I'm, you, Derek. I'm <laughs> Derek. <laughs> I am. I will refrain from. I will not try. I will not be mean. Okay, I won't be mean about your enjoyment of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, but I stand by what I said. Mars Attacks was Burns' Fair. last good film. Of course. All right. So, uh, from Tim, uh, does Jesus Christ Superstar count as a musical? If so, then that would be my selection. If only my church's choir had been 5% as active. I'm sure that's happened, uh, you know, in very few churches. All right. Uh, from Mike, a little shop of horrors. Daru. <laughs> Daru. Oh wow! Daru. Wow, guys, We're, this is a treat. Matt's singing. He doesn't want to. Mm-hmm. This is this is mm-hmm. difficult. Uh, from Hoffa, uh, the Music Man. Not only did it inspire a perfect episode of The Simpsons, Marge versus the Monorail, but I saw it as a kid starring John Houseman, the dad from Silver Spoons, and maybe you want to be an actor. A dream I never pursued. Now I teach jujitsu, but I do like, uh, but I do it like I'm the Music Man. Okay, that sounds amazing. We're gonna need some video of that. Jujitsu, the Jujitsu Music Man. That's pretty good. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, from Lauren, it will always be Phantom of the Opera, the dark, intriguing Beauty and the Beast story in which you root for the murdering Phantom instead of Raoul. I fell in love with this musical as a small child and will always have a soft spot in my heart. For anyone who hasn't seen it, please do not watch the movie. It is abysmal, and Gerard Butler cannot hold a candle to Michael Crawford. You are not wrong about that. Uh, Gerard Butler is not a, a, a good character, uh, but uh, Emmy Rossum is, is a great Christine. I, I'll I'll let Lemon say that. All right, uh, from Laura, uh, Little Shop of Horrors, Hamilton, and Hairspray, respectively. Uh, from at Mitch Doyle 13, waiting to hear the answers to this question makes me shiver with anticipation. It's, it's a rocky uh, heart. His answer is rocky heart. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
I'm sure the people who who know what we're talking about will will get that one. Yeah, I'm just making Um, making it clear we're in an audio only format. That's true. That's true. Uh, from Matt Wastecast, if we count Disney musicals, Moana and Aladdin, uh, the 90s version, are tops for me. If we j- just mean stage, the first one I took my wife to for her birthday was Book of Mormon, and I've loved it since. Need to see more theater musicals. Did they ever get that Spider-Man musical functional? I don't think they did. Robbie, do you know? No. They don't. There's um, no. Okay. And Matt, what do you, why does he, he says Aladdin slash, but parentheses, 90s. What do you mean? Why? Why did he have to do that? Uh, well, Robbie, I, I don't know if you there's only this, one. There's only but... one version of Aladdin. <laughs> well, there's also the the, the stage musical. Uh, Aladdin, oh, oh, okay. So he's just which there was talk of making a movie up, but they realized it was a bad idea, so they didn't. That sounds good. I good. I'm glad. You know, in that'd be version. really stupid to make a live I know. action Why you make a movie of that. <laughs> they, they, you know, the Disney had this incredible run in the '90s with these great movies. Uh, they're basically uh-huh. perfect animated films. Uh, why on earth would you try and make really bad live action versions of them? Money. The answer is money. The answer is always money, especially <laughs> when Disney's involved. Anyway, uh, from at Jessica Ruiz, one into the woods, Greece, and Bye Bye Birdie. Wow, solid choices. Um, let's see from at Jaden Liber- uh, at Jaden Libran, uh, Sweeney Todd. <laughs> From at Brian J. Feld, I think Chicago is the epitome of Broadway musicals. Moulin Rouge changed the, music, the, the rules with the music, but I am an old softie and I love Music Man. Although Cabaret is pretty awesome. All extremely solid choices. Uh, from Matt Groshans, Kevin, Singing in the Rain. It's a near-perfect look at Hollywood's transition to sound. Could you imagine The Simpsons without sound? Gasp! <laughs> Which, through that, that would be really weird. Um, from Matt, yes, it's Aaron. Uh, a Hard Day's Night. Obviously, the music is great, but the movie itself would still be terrific regardless. I've, I've never seen that. What? But not what? being a Beatles fan, I could, you know, I don't really care that much. Oh, wait, wait, okay, wait, okay, okay, Matt. What? Okay, you haven't seen a hard day's night. All right, fine. I get that. Then I'm not a Beatles fan? Everyone yeah. is a Beatles fan. It seems that way, but then I listen to the music and I'm like, yeah, this is okay. What? Yeah. What? What? This is okay? You listen to the Beatles, yeah. and this—that is your response. Is your heart all right? Are you a human? Like, uh-huh. what are you? Uh, oh, it, this is okay. Uh-huh. The best pop music ever crafted. It's okay. Sure, sure, Robbie. That's that's your opinion of the Beatles' music. Is is the best pop music ever made? Yeah. Yes. Like wow. literally. Yes, their pop music. Like no, like in, incredibly. In, like yes like you can discount like oh they're incredibly important like so much music after them is just stealing from the beatles but mm-hmm. you you go like you like you could listen like and they did it all in such a short span of time and they're so young and so talented and you go this is okay yeah i'm not saying the beatles weren't geniuses they were obviously geniuses they all were exactly 100 percent of what you said is true but their music just isn't fun to listen to for me. So, yeah. it's okay. I'm struggling, Matt. I'm having real trouble right now with what you're it's saying. Okay. Don't worry, we still have more things to talk about. Uh, from Matt Nicole Fiore, fourteen cabaret. Uh, from Matt Frankie Kerr, rent. No, Matt. And now, Robbie. No, no, Matt. You guys, they, they rent. <laughs> I didn't mean to, you uh, have to yell in anger. <laughs> they said rent with an exclamation. It was that way. Like, like, <laughs> almighty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My- <laughs> so, Robbie, what is your favorite musical? 
my answer is singing in the rain. Uh, it's it it's really lovely. interesting. I love singing in the rain. It's it's a I had never I hadn't seen it for a very long time in my life. Because uh, I always had discounted it as like, oh, it's an old movie. Is but I didn't. I was when I was younger. I really didn't like musicals. Um, and then I was at a, like I went to a party and we watched Singing in the Rain. I'm like, I can't believe I've, I missed this for so long in my life. It's so lovely, and I like it more now as time goes by. Uh, not really complicated. It's just it's just a, it's just a lovely it's just a lovely movie that they just don't really make anymore. There's no the they don't really make movies like Singing in the Rain anymore. They own these classic Hollywood musicals, big, unless you're Disney. They made My Fair Lady, that's for sure. <laughs> Just grousing. Every time, like literally, you watch a movie, all you do is complain about it. Is this what your wife has to deal with every time you watch a movie? Yes. You just complain. She has the patience of it's so boring. And there's, why does it take so long for them to do things? My brain, I need 400, I need all the stimulus all at once. Let me read three books while I'm watching this movie and play Civilization. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. <laughs> What's your answer? What's your favorite musical? Uh, my answer is very obviously Groundhog's Day. It is, or sorry, Groundhog Day. Uh, it, is, it is the best musical that has ever existed, and it is criminal that it was had such a short run and it uh, doesn't do any touring runs because it is 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 far and away the best musical I've ever seen. Is there a way I can watch this at, at my, in my home? Oh, unfortunately not as far as I know. Uh I got lucky and saw it on Broadway uh during its initial run and then uh drove three and a half hours uh, because a small local theater company was putting it on in South Florida uh to see it again. Um but those are the only two times I've ever seen it uh staged there's no like i can't bootleg it someone bootlegged it anytime no one illegally filmed i can't see that not as far as i know okay um and i would hesitate to but call the uh, soundtrack so, is very good i don't okay okay i'm gonna just say this i don't listen i i don't i i a musical i don't want just the songs okay i want to see this i want to see the the stuff too i want to see the story i want to see things happen like, i, on I the think stage. there is a uh, a really bad uh, strain in musical theater. Oh, you have to be there to get the full experience. Yeah, but you could record it, and I could get like eighty to ninety percent of the experience, and that's that's good enough for me. Especially when the other option is, uh, what's a nice way to put this? Not seeing it at all. Well, no, Matt, you know, it's special, so it has to be only the special way. Because if they let people uh... film recordings of it, if they let people film the stage. Uh, you won't buy tickets anymore. That's definitely look. They did it for Hamilton and they did it for Puffs, and those were both amazing. Okay. Yeah, but they have to be super popular for it to be worth it because us peasants won't ever go see a theaters ever again. If they, okay. I would like yeah. to see Ground. I I love Groundhog Day is like basically my favorite comedy. Why can't we? I can't get. I right. can't see the thing. Um, next week's question: What's your favorite frame narrative? And this is, can be anything, movies, television, books, musical, if you can think of one. Um, I'm pretty sure I already have my answer, but I'll think about it, make sure, make sure I'm right. You know what, Matt? Hmm. I just came up with a new answer. Just right, literally right now, I just went, oh, really? oh wait, okay. no, that, yeah, I just thought of a different one. And I think that is actually my true answer until I come up with a new answer. But what's your favorite frame narrative? I'll post this on our Twitter at SimpsonsShowPod. You can email us at SimpsonsShowPod at gmail.com. And... I will post on our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash The Simpsons Show. And uh, 
post it publicly. So if you don't support us with money, you can still answer. We can move on, Matt, though, to our next segment. It's time for the new Google Trivia Challenge. I am too smart. I am too smart. S-M-R-T. I mean, S-M-A-R-R-T. The new Google Trivia Challenge is for Matt, I, Matt and I challenge each other with three trivia questions. One easy, one medium, and one hard, and try and stump the other. Matt has a six-point lead on me halfway through the season, and that is not good. Six is a lot of points. But, but you know, we're uh, we're only about halfway through the uh, the season. Yeah, okay, Matt. Thanks. Uh, mm-hmm. What's your easy question? All right. What famous singer shows up in three gays of the condo to help Marge win back Homer? I don't know if I know this, Matt. Um, oh, I mean, you, you don't you don't know the, the famous singer of such uh, wonderful songs as Another One Bites the Crust or Live in La Pizza Loca? Oh, no. <laughs> Weird Al? There you go. Weird Al's in that? A... We... Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. No. No, Matt, no. I don't know. <laughs> I know why would they do that to Weird Al? Why would they do that? Because I've, I've erased it was that. the Simpsons and, and no everyone wanted to remember the good part of the Simpsons back then. Has Weird Al been on a new a different episode of The Simpsons by by now? Or has he only been on that one? Because we they should do him right. Get him on a good one. Get him on a good episode. He deserves mm-hmm. better than that. All right, Matt, your easy question. What is the name? In, okay, in Trilogy of Error, what is the name of Lisa's grammar robot? Uh, I believe that's Linguo. Linguo. That's correct. What's my medium question? All right, your medium question. In Homer's flashback to being at Moe's with Marge as teenagers or freshmen together, what game is he playing? Is this in Three Gays of the Condo? It is. It's a, what, the inciting incident. What game is he playing? He's playing a game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't remember any of this. Is it a video game? It is a video game, okay, yes. Okay. Uh, when was he a teenager in Three Gays of the Condo? Um, <laughs> Frogger. He's playing Frogger. You're close. It is Asteroids. That's not close. But <laughs> the Frogger good, and well, Asteroids. I mean, it is, you have the right era, okay. uh, at least. They're not the same. It wasn't one of those like completely move around things. What was that, Matt? Uh, How they, would you describe the games were, again? A move it, wasn't one, it wasn't one of those times where they... Uh, you video game journalists? Really screw up. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, your me- ethics in video game journalism. Oh, don't do that. Do not. I, how dare you? Sorry, my bad, my bad. Your meme question. Uh, this is... I'm I mean... I'm going to say that I'm just... I'm, a, I'm mean this week, Matt. I'm just going to say Okay. It. What kind of fireworks do Bart and Mahalos find in the cave? In Trilogy of Error. Four different kinds like of fi- four, four different kinds of fireworks. They say them out loud. Oh, oh yes. Okay, okay. Um there's Tijuana toilet crackers. Um oh man. Bottle rockets. I think. Uh, I don't remember the other two. <laughs> Bottle rockets, frog launchers, Bottle weeping launchers. mamas, and Tijuana toilet crackers. You got two Dang. out of four. Okay. I don't think it's worth a point. I think if you got three, I would have given you a point. But okay, that's that. That seems fair. Frog launchers. How could I forget frog? How could you forget frog launchers? You monster. All right, your hard question, which seems extra hard given the fact you don't remember this episode at all. Uh, what is the name of the puzzle the family is trying to put together? 
the name of the puzzle? What? Uh-huh. There's a puzzle in an episode? There's a puzzle, yeah. I don't remember that. <laughs> Three Gates of the Condo. I remember the condo. I remember the montage of Homer being quote-unquote gay. And I remember the terrible, terrible ending where we just entirely discount uh-huh. his alcoholism. That's all I remember from Three Gates of the Condo. The name of the puzzle. Um... Uh, is that the one where it's outside? It's massive? Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, see, I remember that it, there is a puzzle. I didn't did not connect it to that episode, though. Um, isn't it that one, like, isn't it balloons? I want to say it's made out of hot air balloons. So, um, up, up, and away. Sorry, it's the concert in Golden Gate Park. No balloons at all. Got it. Cool. Uh, <laughs> I'm real good at this. <laughs> all right. Your hard question. Alongside Homer's thumb, how many eggs are in the pickled eggs jar? Uh, nine. Five. Five is the answer. Yeah, good. I mean, you guessed. That's good enough. Yeah. I'm not going to waste your time like <laughs> trying to remember the exact image of that. <laughs> I don't think I want a thumb. I don't want my thumb back if it's been in a jar with pickled eggs. Yeah, it doesn't seem like that. doesn't seem like a good thumb anymore. It seems like that wouldn't. I don't think that would keep it alive. I don't okay. think it would thumb anymore. <laughs> and you know what? I really want a thumb. You know, when I have a thumb, I want it to thumb. Mm-hmm. I want it to be a thumb. So your Matt, thumb's I, got a thumb. Your, thumbs, your thumb has got a thumb. I still have a six-point deficit after this episode. That's not good at all. You need to do better, Robbie. I believe in you, That's Robbie. That's my pep talk to myself. Hey, Robbie, you can do better than that. <laughs> uh, we can move on to our final, se- final segment. The segment we end every single episode with is time for best episode ever. Best episode ever. Best episode ever is the part show where Matt and I rank the episodes categorically as we watch them chronologically. Eventually compile a list of every episode ever and how good they are. Um, This is pretty good. You liked it. It's funny. Yeah, this is going to be a tough one because, like I said, it, it wasn't good. I mean, it was okay, but it wasn't like obviously bad in any particular way so i mean i think that puts it solidly out of the 300s <laughs> no i this is i'm looking at mid 200s right where i'm like now yeah, that's, I, that's I, I, like, like you know i think our highest season like special edna <laughs> yeah um I, I, our highest of season 17 is the last of the red hot mamas i'm pretty sure which is a 250 solidly right in the middle of 200s um mm-hmm. is it better or worse than last of the red hot mamas Hmm. Hmm. That's a tough one. Um, I would say it's better. It is, and I think it's just because the humor in this is actually funny and makes you laugh, rather than just being kind of eye rolly. And really, the only thing that brings it down is the whole OCD jokes. Uh, other than that, I, I would watch this episode again. Yeah, I I think it's it's. I would probably I would probably put it up there. I don't know. We're I'm looking honestly somewhere near like Simpson Tide or Viva Dead Flanders, um, Broadcast News. I would, say, I think it's not as good as Broadcast News. I think Broadcast. I would, I would definitely agree. Viva uh, Dead Flanders suffers from in its characterization of Homer. Uh, because Homer's a real jerk in that episode, but you know, it's a season ten episode. <laughs> yeah, Simpson Tide and Faith Office are here, um, and Viva Dead Flanders. Yeah, I, I think don't know. I think I I would definitely rather watch this than Faith Off for sure. Yeah, I, I think Faith Off has some interesting stuff in it. 
you know, and I think that's what carries it. We're in the area, this this area is basically very much like very flawed, but interesting stuff inside of it. Um, this is all the only, like the the strength of the seemingly never ending story is is jokes, um, and as said, you know, in our in our um, in our uh, who, um, who said it? Someone said it in our reviews or comments. Um, someone said it. Matt, why can't I find the person who said it? I want to credit them. Um, said what? Get, get look at one. Um, said that it was a trick. Um, it's there. Uh, old Painty Can, old Painty Can Joe 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 Junior. Uh, <laughs> said that this episode is just a trick. You know, it's not really uh it, like a, it's not like genuinely narratively complex. It's just a trick, and I yeah, it's a trick. It's a funny trick. Um, but I think it, it's an enjoyable. You know, it's it's not. I think it is better than Faith Off. I think Viva Ned Flanders, Simpson Tide are probably close, close to it. Um, probably, probably put it right above Faith Off then and below Simpson Tide. I think Simpson Tide has more going for it. You know, it has a little bit more character depth and stuff. Exactly. This is probably Homer being a good dad, Barbie yeah. being a rebellious youth. You know. Yeah, I, I, it doesn't. Simpson Tide, it, it could do more. I think that's what we always said about Simpson Tide is that it just it kind of flounders it doesn't quite get to the character stuff we want it just kind of hints at it it suggests stuff a lot um but i still think it, that's more than what this episode does which is effectively nothing uh the only character bit is you know burns sacrificing himself for lisa in a for a you know a sheep <laughs> but yeah there's not much story in this thing it's all jokes and the jokes are funny but we are not uh we 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 definitely uh value character and you know character and art character arcs which again this episode has none <laughs> zero character arc it is all just it's like a roller coaster ride you know it's just like you're like you know you wait in line for 30 minutes you ride the roller coaster it takes two minutes and you're like oh that was fun but it's not like you're, you're gonna talk about the, the incredible complexity of that roller coaster you're gonna go oh, that was a fun ride should I do it again? Should I should I wait in line again? Maybe. So where does that put us? That puts us new number two thirty six. Matt, does that sound? Sounds great. That sounds okay. I think that's that's a, that's not a bad. That's a pretty actually. That's like that is like might as well be like winning the Nobel Peace Prize for a season seventeen episode to get in the two like the high two hundreds, considering how bad season seventeen has been. It might not be the. I, I'm really. I'm, we're gonna might have to do a, do some, do some number crunching here and see which, which uh, season is rated the lowest overall. Probably it might oh, that's be. A good question. We have to come up with some statistics. It's sixteen or seventeen, almost like, undoubtedly. Oh, like because yeah. most of them, <laughs> like the I lowest episodes are fifteen, fourteen, twelve, eleven, eleven. But then it's just piles of sixteens and seventeens. Um, unsurprisingly a lot of teenage years in there but um it's a new number 236 this is a seemingly never-ending story right below simpson tide right above faith off it's a new number 51 in our best episode uh, in our post golden year rankings uh first place is still homer's enemy last place is still co-dependence day and co-dependence day might never be upset it's just so bad so so bad so bad 
Hello folks, Robbie here. Uh, Matt and I recorded this episode at like 5 in the morning, uh, so we neglected to decide if the episode was shot out of the canon or not. Uh, I think we both enjoyed it quite a bit, and I don't think anything occludes it from being included, so we, we'll, we're not going to fight. We wouldn't fire the canon anyway, but just to be clear, <laughs> it's part of the canon. Thanks. Um, Matt? Hmm. Okay, Matt. I'm. I see. I you know I've never seen these episodes. Never watched them. Any of them. And then I go to the next. I look. I'm like, I and I don't look ahead on purpose. I do not look ahead. I want. I'm. I want genuine surprise. And I Uh-oh. just. I literally just looked for the first time at what our next episode is. And oh, no. first, the title is the title is Bart has two mommies. Oh, I don't remember this at all. And I'm like. Is that made up? Is that real? Like, are, did they really title a Simpsons episode, Bart Has Two Mommies? And then I'm like, okay, maybe, who knows what this is. But then I look at the synopsis, Matt, mm-hmm. and it says, In this episode, Marge babysits for Flanders' sons while Bart is kidnapped by a chimpanzee. And, uh, huh. what? What? Bart is kidnapped. And I, I literally went and I like I did a double take. I literally went back and I'm like, did did I click on something wrong? Like, is this this is like a joke? Bart is kidnapped by a chimpanzee. That sounds like it. And I assume that Bart has two mommies is implying that Marge is one of them and the chimp is the other. Mm-hmm. Yes, I believe you're correct. Okay, okay I can't. What? And this is what happens where I'm like, we watched this episode. It's, it's it's a fun time, you know. It's a good episode. We liked we liked it. That's something. And uh, then I do this. I look at this. I'm like, oh, Bart has two mommies. Okay then. All right, chimpanzee. You say? Yep. Chimpanzees. Cool. Okay. Uh, that's next time. <laughs> that's, next, that's next week. <laughs> Our next episode. It's Bart has two mommies. Uh, can't wait. I'm sure it'll be great. I'm sure it'll be a great time. Uh, uh, you can find this everything on our website, thesimpsonshow.com. There's links to our Twitter, our RSS feed, our Patreon. We'd love it if you support us. And this list is there as well. Um, I literally, like, I, I'm still reeling, man. I'm still reeling from Bart has two mommies. I just cannot under... Okay. Chimpanzee. What? Really? I cannot believe this. Um... Maybe, maybe, Robbie, it'll somehow be good. Maybe. I, I can't. Matt, I cannot, <laughs> cannot with this. Um, I know. I know. I'm on Twitter at Robbie Dorman. That's my name. And my website is also my name is RobbieDorman.com. It has links to everything. It has links to purchase my horror novels. There are seven of them. My newest is called Regrowth. It is Creighton meets michael creighton meets david cronenberg in an underground research lab with a world on brink of collapse with a scientist researching limb regeneration um if you like either cronenberg or creighton you like it and if you like both of them you'll love it and you find it on amazon read for free with kindle unlimited matt does not participate in social media you will not find him that's true i have no time uh my entire time is feeding and applying medication to kittens but if you'd like to see those kittens just you know see what you're missing out on you can check out kitten turns k-i-t-t-i-n-t-e-r-n-s on instagram to see the most adorable kittens you will ever see in your life they are pretty cute they're extremely cute 
Bart has two mommies? A chimpanzee. Really? <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. I'm Robbie. And I'm Matt. Keep watching The Simpsons. Until next week. Yeah, we'll see about that. Shh.